Memphis, Tennessee, it's Memphis Sport Live. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Cerrito and Marcus Hunter. Greetings and salutations. Happy New Year. Happy NFL Wild Card Weekend. Welcome to MSL. I'm your host, Kevin Cerrito. I'll be joined by Marcus Hunter in a minute. On the other side of the glass, we got uh, the king of crunch, C.J. Hurt, and the Sleaze of Memphis, Johnny Radio. Good to be back in studio, starting off a brand new year. The Birmingham Bowl underway right now, and we will keep you abreast of that score. Uh, this is I'm, I wanted the, the Tigers to be in the Birmingham Bowl so bad, but uh, now uh, not so much because, A, Birmingham Bowl is on right now during our show, so we wouldn't be able to watch it. And B, uh, you know, the SEC East is pretty dominant in the bowl game, so I'm a little scared of Florida versus Memphis if that would have been a matchup. But uh, we will spend oodles of time today talking about the uh, Southeastern Conference and their entire collapse from the top of the college football universe, at least for two days, at least for 48 hours the SEC was not the best team or best conference in America, and uh, they're not going to be the best conference in America this year. Uh, woo, it's 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 baffling to me, and I wish I would say I'm coming on this program and I had some answers. I've definitely got some theories on where we are right now in uh, the world of uh, college football, but after a decade of just obvious dominance in the sport uh, a pretty bad 48 hours for the southeastern conference however i mean it's not really not as bad as it looks either so we'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that we'll get into that it's not as bad as it looks but it was a bad 48 hours new year's eve new year's day i mean you couldn't have had a a, a worse um hangover on back-to-back days if you're an sec fan than you had this New Year's. But we will be joined today as special guests. We're going to talk football with a celebrity. Friend of the show, Ernie Freeman from Fox 13's Good Morning Memphis will join us uh, in this. At- well, the clock is completely wrong in the studio, by the way. Why does it say it is 5.07 p.m.? <laughs> That's what time it is in Tokyo. Um, all right, I'm going to have to deal with that. I just noticed that it says it's 5.07 in here. Uh, Ernie's going to join us uh, at around 11.45. He is a notorious SEC hater. Uh, that's his part-time gig uh, along with his full-time job at Fox 13. And he will join us because, you know, it's, at some point, you know, Ernie texts you a million times on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day about the SEC losing. You're like, okay, Ernie, do you just, just come on the show. We'll talk about it. Uh Ernie, he's a Michigan State fan. He thinks the SEC is overrated, just like CJ does. And you know what? Maybe they were this year. I don't know. We'll talk about it uh, with Ernie uh, later on and with Marcus here momentarily. Also, Kevin Life was back with us. He took the last two weeks off, just like I did. He'll be on the show uh, to talk about the Grizzlies at 11.30. Interesting, interesting Grizzly stuff going on um, right now. And we'll play Hang Up and Listen at noon. We'll give you a chance to win some money to Midtown Massage. We've been talking about Mid- Midtown Massage on this program for weeks and weeks now. We'll give you the opportunity to win $30 to Midtown Massage during Hang Up and Listen. We're going off. It's a special 90-minute edition of the program. We're going off at 12.30 uh, immediately following Ole Miss Basketball. 
Hey, yeah, I mean, that's positive for for Rebel fans. At least basketball season is here um, after last week's debacle. But uh, we start every week talking to uh, Mr. Sweetie, Mr. Jackson, Mississippi, Mr. Mississippi State, Marcus Hunter. What's up, Marcus? Yo, 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 what's going on? And Happy New Year, Cerrito Radio. And the uh, the biggest hater in the world, kind of radicalness. <laughs> oh, you just stop it, sir. Happy New yeah, Year, Marcus. You, you, were, you were going in too hard on Twitter yesterday, Conrad, and you were all wrong. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, we, we, there, there is oodles to talk about, so let's go ahead and get things started with the uh, starting five. All right, these are the five most interesting and important sports stories uh, for the sports fan in the Mid-South. Over the past seven days, we call it the starting five. The number one story... Without a doubt, what people are thinking about in the Mid-South is the collapse of the SEC West in these bowl games. Because not only did they lose, they just lose a couple of them. The SEC West is losing every single bowl game except, you know, shout out to Arkansas. But we got the SEC West just embarrassing themselves on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. But were they embarrassed? I mean, Ole Miss's game was embarrassing. But again, you're playing TCU, who I thought was one of the best uh, four or five teams in the country uh, at the end of the year. I think they they uh, were a better team than Ole Miss at the end of the year. Um, but and they obviously proved that. But um, outside of that, the games were kind of close for the SEC West. Marcus, I'm going to give you a chance. I mean, this is baffling to me. I don't. I there's there's some people like CJ and Ernie uh, Freeman who are going to tell you that this just proves that you know the tides are changing, uh, that this is a new era in, in college football starting, and they may be right. Maybe the other conferences are finally catching up. But it was just two days of football we're looking at that the SEC two days and in ten years that they look bad, right? Yeah, it was uh, bad, like you said, two days into ten years. And, you know, this is what happens when you have, uh, you know, the kid who's kicked on the playground, you know, for ten years in a row. And then he finally, finally reaches the top of the hill in the game and wins. Then he's going to brag about it like he's been just winning and dominating for ten years in a row. Everybody's over his head. Everybody's like just, just jumping the gun on this whole thing. I mean, I, you know, I wrote a long thing to TJ on Facebook yesterday, just kind of explaining, you know, why this isn't as bad as it looks. I mean, like you were saying, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. I mean, other than their win over Mississippi State, which was a robbery game, they kind of limped into uh, the bowl season. And TCU, a team that felt like they should have been one of those top four teams, came in and this was their national championship game. I mean, you know. The best team in the Big 12 playing the fifth best team uh, in the SEC. And the Big 12 team won. Not really surprising. Kind of surprised about how they were able to win the game in, in, in the dramatic and blowout fashion that they did. And then you had an, an LSU team who, I mean, all year long, people have been saying, well, LSU isn't the LSU of old. However, because they're still good enough with a lot of young, talented players, that they were able to uh, have a record good enough to be put in the bowl game against a Notre Dame team uh, who, you know, just seemed to come out of that game and. Obviously, to me, LSU was the better team, but Notre Dame played uh, harder because they wanted to win that game more, and they ended up winning that game in the end on the last second field goal. Obviously, not a blowout win. Mississippi State, no defensive coordinator. You're trying to defend the triple option, which is rare and difficult to do. And you have a lot of guys on the team who are worried about their knees being taken off because this is their last game before going into the NFL or declining for the draft. 
guys don't want to get hurt. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, just because the SEC went the SEC West with one and five in these bowl games, I don't think it's time to just deem the conference down and everybody else is caught up to the SEC. No, in each case, you needed the best or the second best team in each one of those conferences to beat a team in the SEC that didn't even make that conference championship game, with the exception of the Alabama game. And I have my theories about that, but <laughs> not that big of a, you know, letdown for the SEC. Sure, you would have loved to have won all of those games. You didn't win all of those games. Just, just take care of business next year. Let let these haters have their day. Let them have their year. Haters and, gonna uh, hate, right? Yeah, exactly. Haters are gonna hate. Taylor like, Swift was all about that. Haters are gonna hate. Taylor Swift was gonna write. She wrote that song. Or knowing that this was going to happen, and yeah. it's going to get so many more radio plays throughout the southeastern United States. But no, to be fair, we got Texas A and M also won. So the the West is two and five, and if you look at the the bowl records of conference by conference right now, the SEC is tied with the most wins in in uh, in conference play right now. SEC and Pac twelve both have six wins um, in in bowl games so far. How many losses does the Pac twelve have? They had two losses. So what are you saying? But they, I mean, the SEC, you have more chances to lose if you have more teams in bowl games. And Florida today has a chance to put the SEC at the top with the most bowl wins of of the of this. But it, again, shocking. More shocking is it? More shocking to you, Marcus, that the the East, the East is getting all of these W's in an impressive fashion. Like, wow, did you watch Tennessee last night against Iowa? Holy mackerel! And uh, the, the East is winning, and and but they don't play like that against the West. Well, no, it's actually not surprising because 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 the fact that the uh, East or that the, that the West got so much uh, attention this year. Uh, when you look at the bowl game matchups, like I was saying, the SEC West teams were being were matched up with teams that were the best in their particular conference, the best or the second best. I mean, uh, Wisconsin went to their conference championship game. Uh, Georgia Tech went to their conference championship game. Had there been a conference championship game in the Big 12, TCU would have been in that conference championship game. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, uh, North Auburn were in their SEC championship game. So, I can say, you know, I, no, you, I mean, it's a great point is that the elite teams of the SEC all had to play the best of the best in the other conferences. That's a fact. I mean, you looked at it. It's, I mean, you you broke it down a minute ago. But, yeah, you're playing all of these teams that are, the, are ranked higher in their conferences than the team from the SEC that was going to uh, play against them. So, that no, that is, that's a true fact, and, and that's definitely a factor. And you have to bring into the you, – you just got to think the target's on the back, right, the, on the SEC? Yeah. Right, and everybody wants to beat the SEC. They're tired of hearing about the SEC. Exactly. It's like, like I'll say, it's their Super Bowl. Whenever they play an SEC team, it's like, oh, this is our Super Bowl. Now, the SEC East teams, they got more favorable, more of what you would think even matchups because the SEC East got a lot less uh, respect. And so they were matched up with teams that, on paper, were along the same lines of as they were, and you're seeing what those SEC East teams are doing to those teams from other conferences as they're playing. So, and, and, and like you were saying, you know, if Florida wins today, there's going to be seven bowl wins for the SEC. I understand that, yes, they have several losses, but like you were saying as well, more teams from the SEC made it into 
bowl games because when the SEC teams played outside of conference, they didn't lose. I get and that's no, that's true. That's true. But you got to you got to give props to these teams uh, that prove. I mean, and we've never said ever uh, that the SEC is the only conference with good teams. They're, Are you sure you never said that? I absolutely never said that. They're they're the best conference from top to bottom, and and I think what the East is doing and proving is that yes, from top to bottom, the East is coming out here and they're dominating the bottom teams from the other conferences and uh, like just blowing them out. And we'll see what happens. Again, there's still uh, one more SEC game to be played. It's being played right now, Florida ECU, but Florida right now. As Marcus pointed out, Florida is playing in the Birmingham Bowl, but ECU is playing in the Super Bowl. This is their Super Bowl right now. They want to beat another. They want to prove that they can beat a team in the Southeastern Conference. And Florida is, just, of course, in shambles. They shouldn't win this game. I picked East Carolina to win this game, and I do think East Carolina is going to win. It's 0-0 right now if you're wondering what the score is early in the first. People have told me for the past however long it's been that this team from the SEC will go to that conference and win that conference. The third best team in the SEC is better than the best team in the Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10. And so when they go out there and you pitch your third or fourth best team up against the best team from another conference and they get not only do they lose, they get embarrassed. What does that show you about the SEC? They did. Well, no, just no, like Ole Miss, every other Ole Miss got embarrassed. That's the only team that got embarrassed in the Mississippi West. State oh, didn't get embarrassed? That was a close game. That was a close game. They it was embarrassing, but I wouldn't say it's getting embarrassed like 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 Ole Miss. And you can't, CJ, just because this happened, this was a 48-hour period, this was New Year's Eve, this was New Year's Day that the SEC West goes down, like you cannot ignore a 10-year history of that not happening. So it's like it happened one time, but there's a 10-year history where the SEC's third-best team does beat the best team from the other conference. It just did not happen this year. Marcus? There's not a history of that. There's a history of, of the SEC's third-best team playing Maybe the fourth or fifth best team from the Big Ten and beating them because of the BCS rule where two teams get to go to the BCS Bowl and everybody steps up. But there's not a history of SEC best beating that many teams best, is it? Yes, there is. I mean, it happens. I mean, it happens every year where uh, team where the SEC teams that don't even make uh, the uh, championship game will end up in the best of the best bowl games up against the best teams from the other conferences. I mean, that happens year in and year out. So what are you talking about? That's always how, it, how it's been, especially the last 10 years. I mean, you'll, it's not it's not like you will never see a 8-4 and four SEC team going up against a 10-win uh, Big 12 team or a Big 10 team in the bowl matchup because that's, how it, because that's how it is because it's going to take a mediocre SEC team for a Big 12 or a Big 10 team to be able to compete with them, the best of the Big 12 and the Big 10. That's what it takes. Well, but anyway, yeah, I get. I have to give. Like, I think it's a baffling. It was a baffling forty-eight hours. I didn't expect it to happen across the board like this. But there's no secret. Every week, every week, Marcus, you know, on this program, I said this is the year to catch Alabama when they're down. Right? This is the year to catch. And I thought Mississippi State needed to step up and do it. Ole Miss needed to step up and do it. You had teams in the SEC West that did not step up and catch Alabama when they're having a down year. Who did catch Alabama? Huh? Ohio State got it from what conference? Urban Meyer, a a, a guy who uh, left the SEC, who dominated in the Southeastern Conference, proved. And not only that, what was it, their third or fourth string quarterback who's playing for Ohio State? That really puts a lot of perspective on Tim Tebow, right? Like, if you just play for Urban Meyer as the quarterback, then then you're st- going to be successful. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So that's why Tim Tebow is sitting on that set on the SEC network. 
uh, and not uh, playing in the NFL because it's all credit to Urban Meyer. And that the future could, looks bright for Ohio State. The idea they've turned this team around to where they where where Ohio State is today. Uh, it, where they could, I think the, they think they could win. I think they could beat Oregon. They were in a BCS bowl game last year, weren't they? They were. They were ineligible for a couple years, and they've had bad losses since Urban. Took I think over, they played uh, Clemson. Did they win? I mean, still, they oh did. God, no, they didn't win. They were just there. <laughs> and, and I think Urban Meyer. I've always thought Urban. I find it interesting that all of a sudden uh, the biggest Michigan fan I know, CJ, is all of a sudden the biggest Ohio State fan. <laughs> oh, meet me in Temecula, sir. What, what's the name of that place? Everybody's meeting to fight and settle things like men. You meet me there. Uh, CJ, because I, I have given props. To, I, Urban Meyer, the hire at Ohio State to get Urban Meyer is brilliant. That's, that scandal they had was perfectly timed. Like, Ohio, like Ohio State should be good every year and play high-quality SEC-style football with SEC, SEC players on it because Urban Meyer is that good. And, and SEC-style? And he was able to take down Saban. I've said it every week. Uh, CJ, you want to try to pretend like and twist my words. I've said every week, Alabama's down this year. you got to take Alabama. It's a down year for them. They didn't deserve to really be there. They ended up just by default because they came out of the West, because they were the, ended up being the best team in the West because everybody beat up on everybody in the SEC West. Alabama was the one who slipped through. And they weren't that good of a team. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired, you know, as much as – I'm just tired of the Alabama dynasty. I'm glad that's over. And I'm looking forward to the idea of Oregon wins. You know what? There, there could be a brand-new dynasty starting. What's the dynasty called, Marcus? Uh, if Oregon – if Oregon dynasty. Star, it's a duck dynasty duck, if Oregon duck, takes duck. over. It's a duck dynasty. Duck, I, <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. we got a couple more stories to get to. Number two in the starting five, the Grizzlies have won three in a row since the last time uh, we were on the air. They beat the Lakers last night 109-106 to at Staples Center. Ed Davis looked very sad in that game, among other things. They also beat the Heat and the Spurs. My question to you, though, Marcus, is uh, are you still afraid of the Spurs in the playoffs? Because I, I'm becoming less afraid of the Spurs. If you're, if you're a Grizzlies fan, you can pull off the Spurs. you got to win one in San Antonio. I think it's possible. Yeah, the are starting to, uh, they're starting to finally look their age. It looks like, uh, two years of back-to-back trips to the NBA Finals has taken the toll on, uh, the legs of those players because, you know, if you're going to make it to the NBA Finals, you're basically playing half of another NBA season because the playoffs are just so long. So, um, the, uh, so the San Antonio Spurs, they're starting to look their age, and I don't think that they're going to be able to uh, dominate uh, the the uh, Western Conference this year like they have in the past two years when they get in the postseason. So if the Grizzlies are going to take down uh, uh, San Antonio, this would be the year because it seems like they're, they've figured them out um, ever since, you know, losing, what, 14 in a row to San Antonio or something ridiculous like that. It seems like they've kind of figured out how to play the Spurs and the fact that the Spurs have taken a bit of a step back and the Grizzlies have taken a step forward, I think now, obviously, they have what it takes to be able to defeat that team in a seven-game series. But they, but they still have Greg Popovich, and you never really want to count Pop out. Oh, yeah, you don't want to play the Spurs, but uh, the the not as afraid of the Spurs, not as a big of the We've got to avoid the Spurs in the playoffs if the, if the Grizzlies want to to, to make the uh, NBA Finals, right? Because that's still a first that the Grizzlies have never done. It could be their first NBA Finals, uh, which brings us to uh, number three. In the starting five, uh, Mark Gasol right now is on course to make another historic first for the Memphis Grizzlies. They announced the second round of voting returns for the NBA All-Star Game. 
yesterday, and Mark Gasol is still... He is still a starter. If the voting ended today, Mark Gasol would be a starter in the NBA All-Star A starter, Marcus, a Grizzly player starting in the NBA All-Star game. That means he got the most votes. Can you believe that? Yeah, um... I mean, the fact that I mean, he won the Defensive Player of the Year a couple of years ago, and it kind of put him, you know, kind of put him in the mindset and the forefront of a lot of basketball fans when that happened. And he was in the All Star Game before. And the fact that the Grizzlies are having so much success, they've had a lot more nationally televised games before the New Year than we're used to seeing from the Grizzlies. Well, all of them. They had them all before then, but. Well, I mean, I mean, but you know, and, and and folks are starting to really, really talk a lot about Marcus Hall, and not just his play as far as numbers are concerned, but the things that he does on the court that you don't even notice. And I think basketball fans are smart enough, and they're starting to pick up on the facts to that. Forget the Dwight Howards of the world. Uh, what? This guy, Marcus Hall, is the best center in the NBA, and right. it's great that fans of the NBA are starting to realize how good he is. It does... No, I do think people do not like Dwight Howard. He is a villain, so that does help Mark Gasol in getting the voting. But at the end of the day, the fans who vote on this are not... You know, it's not the smartest people in the world. I mean, Vince Carter had an awesome dunk contest, and then he was voted on the All-Star team for 40 straight years, right? Like, they... Yeah. And Allen Iverson's on every year uh, when he's playing. Kobe's still on the All-Star team right now in a starting position. Uh, when he probably doesn't deserve it, right? So, like, the fans are going to vote for their favorite. They, they vote for more of their favorites. It's a popularity contest. And the idea that Marcus Saul's up there, that shows a lot about Grizz Nation, in my opinion, that the Grizzlies fans are out there. You know, you see the tweets constantly throughout the day on Twitter, right? Like, no Grizzlies game going on. You just randomly see these these tweets of people voting for, for Grizzlies to be on an All-Star game. I, I think it, it says a lot about Grizz Nation. Maybe this, this, the Spain contingent's finally showing up at the polls here, and we're getting a bunch of uh, Spaniards voting uh, as well for Marcus Saul, and maybe there are just the true NBA fans that know they're, they're filling out their their ballots online, and uh, they select Marcus Saul because they know he's he's the best. Yeah, and I got to give uh, CJ props as well because I think CJ last week let uh, a lot of, let a lot of folks know you know how many different ways that you're able to vote for these guys, and now you know it's just blowing up the you know folks in Memphis are blowing up the ballot. You know, they're rocking the vote and they're getting out there and they're voting for Gasol. And if Mark Gasol gets in as a starter, then you finally may see may see the Memphis Grizzlies have two players in the All-Star game because I think the coaches uh, could very well put Mike Connolly in the game. It's going to be difficult because there are a lot of point guards and a lot of really good point guards right. in the West. But Mike Connolly will at least uh, get a good, solid look from the uh, coaches in the, uh, in the Western Conference. Positive news with Mark Gasol um, on that, but Zebo still out uh, for the Grizzlies for the past six games. We'll talk more about both of those things with Kevin Leip here momentarily. Number four in the starting five, uh, the Liberty Bowl. Uh, we'll have to touch on this a moment. That happened uh, over the past week, the Liberty Bowl. Of course, that was one of the big wins for the uh, Southeastern Conference, Texas A&M, um, at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium, taking down West Virginia. The halftime show was rocking, and the reason, really, Marcus, the only reason we have this on the starting five is so we can play another edition of uh, Black People Country Western Trivia. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready, CJ, for some Black People Country Western Trivia? I'm trying to quiet everything down over here so I can hear <laughs> it. 
All right. Uh, name a song that halftime performers, okay, well, halftime performers Big and Rich are known for. Marcus, you're up first. Big and Rich, name a song that Big and Rich, they performed halftime at the Liberty Bowl. They have a, they have a, a, a mega hit, a hit that was huge. It was like the number one country song of the year uh, in the past 10 years. Uh, We're playing look, Black People Country Western you. Trip. What? Look, look at you. Look at you. No, no. Mm-mm. CJ, do you know? Do you know? Coming to your city. Oh, that's <laughs> that is a is that the name of the song? But they do the intro song, you know, for uh, college football game day. Coming to your city. We never get to see uh, it because we're always here. To your city. I don't even. I don't know if that's even the name of the song. But I think that. Is that is I don't even know what song that is. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Is, is that the save the horse, ride the cowboy song? Is that part of that? Because that is the jam. That's the that's the answer we were looking for. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. You know that song, right, Marcus? I love that song. I'm not even gonna lie. I, I, I love that song. I, I coming to your that. city's better. I, is coming to your city part of the save a horse, ride a cowboy? No, man, that's two different. It's a bands. separate song. They're two different ones. I'm pretty sure that's a lyric. You can't in the song. save a horse, ride a cowboy, and go to someone's city, dude. At the same time, I don't know. This is actually true, Kevin. Uh, just two different songs, two different concepts in the song. But hey, I do know. Hey, I, I saw uh, John Rich of Big and Rich. He does a concert every year for St. Jude as part of the St. Jude Classic. Uh, he's the biggest supporter locally of, of uh, St. Jude. So it was cool that they were here for, for the Liberty Bowl. Save, save, Liberty Bowl. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. All right, number five in the starting five, the NFL playoffs. It is wild card weekend. Marcus, you have a Super Bowl prediction that you want to give everybody? Did you give it last week? I didn't hear it. I did not give my Super Bowl prediction last week. Uh, man, it's going to be tough uh, because I really don't know who's going to come out of the NFC because um, I hate the Seattle Seahawks, so I don't want them to uh, go to the Super Bowl again. Um, the Green Bay Packers. The, I'm, I'm going to have to go Green Bay uh, versus New England again, a, a, another Green Bay New England Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with that one, and uh, because I just can't see Seattle going to back-to-back Super Bowls, and the Dallas Cowboys, uh, I think they're going to go down tomorrow to the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's just Dallas is not good, a good team at home, and then Dominican Sue can, can play. So, uh, but I think Pittsburgh is the only other team that could get there from the AFC. Denver, I don't think they're going to do it this year. Peyton Manning's noodle arm is really starting to look noodly, and um, yeah. So, uh, uh, is noodly a word? So does anybody from does anybody from this weekend? You don't think anybody from this weekend is going to make the Super Bowl? You, which one has the you had the best chances? Pittsburgh Steelers because today we've got Steelers versus Baltimore and then Carolina versus Arizona. And tomorrow's the Colts versus the Bengals and the Cowboys versus the Lions. Those are all the teams playing this weekend on Wild Card Weekend. So, so none of none of those teams are ready for the Super Bowl. None of those teams. I don't. Th- I don't. I mean, I'm looking at it. The Colts. The Colts are gonna be like I can see them gonna be ready. So maybe they break through this year. Who knows about Arizona? If they can never score points again. And who? You know, the Panthers would. That'd be a fun story uh, to see. Uh, to see that happen. So I don't know. Uh, that's a, that, it's a good point. I don't see anybody from this weekend going to Super Bowl either. I like the Patriots, and uh, and I like Seattle. Really, I like whoever the both of the number one seeds. Unfortunately, I know that's not exciting, but I do like uh, Patriots Seahawks and think that could be a fun Super Bowl to watch. But um, maybe we get a rematch, or maybe we get the Packers, or maybe we get somebody from this weekend. I, I, it's usually somebody from Wild Card Weekend sneaks through there. So yeah, they, it's just these Wild Card teams. Uh, none of them just seem to be overly. I mean, I mean, Dallas is Dallas is going into the playoffs 
playing the most dominant football. Well, I guess you could say Carolina also, but Carolina looked so bad early in the year, it's kind of hard to really believe in them to make the Super Bowl. But Dallas is playing really good football uh, going into the playoffs. I just think that the worst thing for the Cowboys is the fact that they have to play a playoff game at home. I just don't, they're just not good at home. They're just not good inside of Jerry World. Okay, uh, that does it for the starting uh, five for this week. I'm getting a text from Tam Cam, you know, my uh, girlfriend. She is saying that, that, that coming to your city is actually the beginning of Sable Horse Ride, a cowboy, that it is the same song. She is from Mississippi, so she should. Yeah, she's legit. So she's legit source. Uh, so, Marcus, I am declaring you the winner of uh, Black People, a Country Western Trivia, because CJ said, come into your city, and that is not the name of the song. The name of the song is Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Congratulations, Marcus. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Save a horse, ride a cowboy. All right. That, that, uh, that, uh, Marcus, pr- appreciate you uh, joining us. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Be good. And once again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Marcus. That's Marcus Hunter. Follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore underscore Hunter. Follow him on Instagram as well. When we come back, we'll talk to Kevin Light from the Memphis Flyer. You'll listen to MSL on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. By AutoNation GMC. Rachel 6 every weekday. Right here on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Welcome back to Memphis Sport Live. Here once again are your hosts, Kevin Cerrito and Marcus Hunter. Welcome back. Thanks for making us a part of your NFL Wild Card Weekend. Your Birmingham Bowl Saturday, or uh, East Carolina fans like to call it Super Bowl Saturday. Uh, if you ever miss a portion of the show, you can catch the podcast MemphisSport.com or for free on iTunes. Just subscribe there. Also, subscribe to the I Love Memphis podcast while you're on iTunes. Which I Love Memphis podcast. I host it every month with Holly Whitfield. This month, uh, podcast is about to drop. We got Paula Rayford as our guest. Um, the uh, owner of uh, Rayford's downtown. She is she is fun. Uh, she's our guest coming up on the podcast. We can listen to to the uh, December podcast where we recap 2014. There's also the bonus clip where we preview 2015 in the Mid South. That's the I Love Memphis podcast. I Love Memphis podcast dot com. This portion of MSL is being brought to you by Playhouse on uh, the Square. It's the perfect place to take a date. Uh, located at Union Cooper in the Overton Square Theater District, uh, Playhouse on the Square is Memphis's only professional theater. Uh, go to playhouseonthesquare.org for a full list of upcoming shows now playing at Playhouse on the Square. Every week in the 11 o'clock hour, we're joined by the Memphis Flyers Grizzlies writer Kevin Leip, and he joins us right now. Happy New Year, Life. Happy New Year to you too. All right, yeah. let's 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 dive right into this with the Grizzlies. To me, right now, the biggest story for the Memphis Grizzlies is Mark Gasol is currently still, if voting into today, an NBA All Star starter, which would just be amazing for a small market franchise like the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean that would be um, that would be quite an achievement. You know, it wouldn't be his first. Uh, his first time at the All Star Rodeo, but 
but um, no, that's a that's a huge achievement, and I think it's really a testament to uh, it's a testament to the fact that I think the league has changed a little bit because I think people people around the league are actually talking about how good Marcus Hall uh, has been this year. Uh, whereas in the past, I think you know he hasn't had a season that's this good, but he's had some great seasons. And, and maybe I think before the Defensive Player of the Year award, I think people talked about him a little bit less. And so I think uh, I think it's good that uh, it's it's awesome that he's that highly ranked right now because that that shows that people are really aware of how good he is and are, are talking about him and talking about the Grizzlies. Of course, they divide now the All Star uh, divide the All Star voting at the front court uh, and guards. And Anthony Davis is number one right now in the Western Conference for front court. Blake Griffin number two. Mark Gasol number three. So behind Gasol, can Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan is at is uh, fourth, and Kevin Durant is at fifth. And they're all. I mean, they're about a hundred thousand votes away from Mark Gasol right now. So as long as Memphis keeps voting every day like you've been voting for Mark Gasol, uh, it, it should push him through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's got a pretty comfortable lead. Uh, I noticed that I noticed that Zemo is like fifteenth in front court voting right now, so take a little bit bigger of a push for him. But he's he's been out so much. Um, I you know I don't think he's got a very strong case. But uh, but yeah, it'd be awesome if if Memphis had a an all star starter. That would be that would be great. Now, what, what, so what was interesting to me, I'm like, okay, so Gasol's got the spot now. How often does it change after they reveal the votes? So I, I uh, looked at last year. So I pulled up last year's voting for the All-Star. Uh, December 13th, what the, when they announced the second All-Star voting returns last year, which is what we're at right now. And in the Western Conference, the lead was Kevin Durant. So it looks like Kevin Durant in the front court was Kevin Durant was number one. Dwight Howard was number two. Blake Griffin, number three. Kevin Love, four. Tim Duncan, five. Uh, Mark Gasol, not even in the top 15 last year. Pau Gasol, of course, was still in the uh, West, and he was at eight. So you're looking at Love switched conferences. Durant was hurt. Dwight Howard has become just a bigger villain, I guess, and he was hurt. So... I, I yeah. didn't factor in those those things, but to me, it's kind of shocking that Durant has got so few votes, even though he's hurt. Like you still it doesn't matter when people are voting for All Star, right? Yeah, I mean it's, it, that is surprising to me. I think um, I, I expected him to have to have more votes than that, and and you know as he comes back and continues to just play, he's he's played what in the last three games, uh, like ninety minutes and scored one hundred and eight points. So uh, I, I think he. If anybody's going to knock Gasol out of the uh, out of the starting kind of lineup for the All Star game, I think it's going to be Durant. I think maybe people just haven't started voting for him. People didn't realize he was back or something. Yeah, that that and we look at last year. So we look at the front court from last year, and did it change from the second release of the ballot? Uh, to the final results, and it did. I mean, Kevin, so it looks like Dwight Howard fell out and Kevin Love moved up. So Durant, Griffin, and Love were the starters last year. Dwight Howard fell out of the voting. Um, so, again, it looked like his popularity just slowly declined throughout the last last year and is not going to pick back up. He ended up being reserved last year. So your starters last year were Durant, uh, Griffin, and Love in the front court position so this year of course love is not eligible in the west so it's it's uh shaping up to be griffin alongside uh, mark gasol and anthony davis which is surprising to me is the leading vote getter i'm guessing that's just what uh big blue nation voting for him now <laughs> who knows that's possible i mean he he certainly earned it i mean davis has been basically on another planet by himself all year long 
and I, I think it's only a matter of time before he's the best player in the league. Right, he he definitely deserves it. Right now, the only undeserving starter if the season ended today to me would be Kobe Bryant. But it's, he's Kobe Bryant. You got to. It's fine. I'm fine with Kobe Bryant starting. Well, Griffin's kind of having a rough year too. I, I think that. Um, so I don't know would, if it's a chemistry issue. I think he's been banged up. Um, I think I think he's just he's underperforming to me this year. So would you put Tim Tim Duncan up there instead of him? Or yeah, Tim I would. I, I would. I mean, Duncan's been he's been Tim Duncan. So. <laughs> All right, we'll see how that plays out. To me, it's just it just seems one of those things that see like for, first off, Memphis gets an NBA team, but the idea that you could get enough votes because it's such a popularity contest and you don't have that true superstar to have a starter in the All Star game will be awesome. And it looks like they're on track, but Memphis has got to keep voting. You got to keep voting each and every day uh, for that. And one player who looked like he possibly could get on in the. Uh, the all-star team earlier in the year, like deserved it, Zebo, but of course he's been out for the last six games. He might start tonight. Uh, he might play tonight at some against Denver. I would sit him out on a second night of a back-to-back in Denver. But um, what what have your thoughts been with with this six-game stretch with no Zebo and trying to figure out the rotation of power forward? Well, yeah. So this is kind of something that I touched on in my uh, <laughs> what like three thousand word game diary about the Spurs game last week. Um, yeah, you know, the Grizzlies are really. If you look at the roster, this is so everybody said this is a really deep team, and that's kind of hard to argue with. But the depth is mostly at the wing position. Um, the power forwards you have you have Zebo, and then you have John Luer, and then you have Jarnell Stokes. Uh, you have Tayshawn Prince playing power forward a little bit. That's a really thin spot on the roster. And when Zebo is out, like he has been, and, you know, I, I'm not really sure the details of the injury, but it seems like it's just a thing that uh, is going to get better with the rest, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I don't want to speculate about what's going on with that. They're, they don't have any size at that position. And so you really saw this in that Houston game with Josh Smith. Josh Smith shot like, you know, 45% in that game, and he still killed the Grizzlies because he was able to just get to the rim because they were having to guard him with Tayshaun Prince. They were having to guard him with Vince Carter. So, uh, you know, I think that with Zebo out, you're kind of starting to see maybe the biggest weakness structurally of this roster other than, you know, having a bunch of wings who can't shoot. Uh, there's there's no size and kind of toughness at that power forward spot other than uh, Zebo. And, you know, Jarnell Stokes definitely has the toughness. He's a little undersized. Um, but he's a rookie, and Jaeger doesn't like playing rookies for whatever reason. So, well, lots of coaches um, don't. But uh, and we wonder if he's ready because that was the idea. They thought that if you're looking at the power forward position going into the season, that he'd be, he'd be ready because you lose Ed Davis, who we saw last night wearing a mask and looking very unhappy in Los Angeles with all the pictures scoring twenty points. Yeah, that, the team would be better with him on it. Like in that position, I would you feel better? I would feel better with Ed Davis still on the team. Yeah, at the power forward spot, I would. Um, but, but at the same time, that Ed Davis is not really the solution to a size problem. Right, right, right. You know, he's, he 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 gives you athleticism and he gives you uh, a much different look in terms of like pick and run. He had the highest field goal percentage in the league as the roll man in pick and roll sets last year uh, for a while, anyway. So you know, he's he definitely his athleticism and his kind of offensive abilities. He has his limitations, but he can he can score and. You know, I think that um, Luer has really struggled this year so far. He's had good games, but his shot has just kind of left him. And, uh, you know, you could, you see him get, and on both, just get pushed around by these bigger reserve power forwards. I don't know if the answer is, like, 
uh, you know, uh, the one that I threw out there was maybe you offer some kind of a veteran minimum deal to Kenyon Martin just to basically send in the paint and get hit on a regular basis or something like that, some kind of a a big guy who's not on a roster right now. And that seemed to be uh, something they've considered. Uh, yeah. At least there were rumors out there that they were considering it, and there's still time to to do that because you gotta. Oh yeah, and you, it does. So it makes you more concerned with Zebo being out because in the event that if he does go out, if he has to miss one game in the playoffs or something, that it's not it's uh, you're not in a, a, a good spot. Yeah, or so, or you know if this knee thing turns out to be something that kind of bugs him the rest of the year and he needs to sit for two or three games, right. some other stretch. I mean, this you know you need. I think it's clear that they need some kind of depth uh, at that position that has size. See if they, see if they can find it. Uh, I would sit Zebo tonight, though, at, at Denver. Bring him back Monday when Gasol's playing against his future team, the New York Knicks, at FedEx <laughs> Forum. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, a big game. Zebo's former team, the New York Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'd bring him back on, on Monday in that game. All right, la- last thing I can't – I've got to to go back to this because you just hate Quincy Pondexter. You you hate you you hate coupons so much. This is what I heard. This is a rumor I heard. You hate coupons so much that you go and you buy the Sunday newspaper just to take the coupons and throw them away. Is that true? <laughs> I uh, I didn't th- I didn't think you were actually gonna gonna talk about this. Um, so, <laughs> um, I do I do hate coupons. No, um, no, you don't. But you seem to, you, you know, you've been. I think- like on the coupon beat, like you've been writing the stories about coupon. You've really been following coupon throughout throughout the season and writing different stories on your on the blog, which everybody should check out the Beyond the Arc blog at memphisflyer.com. dot com. Yeah. So earlier this earlier this week, he immediately had two good games after I wrote it. But you know, <laughs> he's he just Quincy Pondexter needed to come into this year and kind of make a statement, right? I mean the the reason that he's on the team is to be a three and D guy. Uh, I think that's undeniable. That's if he's not hitting threes and he's not playing good defense, right. he doesn't have a purpose. And up until you know the two games they've played so far this week, he hadn't done that. He hadn't uh, he hadn't hit very many shots. He's shooting like twenty five percent from three or something like that. He uh, he's not playing in every game. I think there's it's pretty clear that Jaeger does not trust him. Uh, maybe doesn't you know the rumors are that he doesn't like him and. I wouldn't like him either if he cussed me out on the sidelines in a game last year. But, um, you know, I, I think as crowded as the Grizzlies' wing rotation is, he has to play better than he's been playing for him to be all that useful. Um, and so the the gist of my article was that, you know, maybe it's time for him to have some sort of a change of scenery. I think uh, we see this a lot in the NBA. Guys just don't work out on some team, and then they go somewhere else, and they're fine. Oh, right. Um, Zebo is the perfect example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I, I, you know, I just think that I've said all season long that out of Tony Allen, Courtney Lee, and Quincy Pondexter, you need two of those guys. You don't need all three of those guys. And if somebody's going to be the odd man out, I think at this point, even though he's played well this week, I think it's still Quincy Pondexter. I think he has not shown that he can consistently be, you know, an outside threat, and then he consistently can play within himself, not try to be a ball handler. Right. Um, that kind of thing. And so, you know, uh, I got some flack for that because people are like, well, it's early in the season and, you know, we love Quincy and whatever else. But I just think, 
He's a cool dude, but he he hasn't been. He's he's definitely. There's been more games where he's not part of the wins, whether he's sitting on the bench or whatever, than he has been. So I mean, I I agree with you. I think I'm coming to the conclusion that because we're not afraid to say earlier, I'm off the consider trading Tony Allen because he's just too entertaining for me. That I I have now decided like with his emojis and um dancing around and stuff in December, like I like. No, he's too entertaining. Like I want to keep him on yeah. the team and just—he doesn't have to play if you don't want to play him. But like I want him on for entertainment. But uh, coupon, it might be, and that could be a, a good good uh, chip. And it and it, you think about it originally, like people were upset because Gravis Vasquez was in that. It was Gravis Gravis Vasquez for Quincy Pondexter. And right. it looked bad then, but now the Grizzlies, especially you know, shout out to Bano last night in the Laker game that the Grizzlies have figured out the backup point guard uh, situation, yeah. and um, they're crowded at a wing. So yeah, everybody should read his stuff. It's at memphisflyer.com. dot uh, com. Read all of his articles. But uh, Lipe is on the coupon store. He is the coupon uh, beat writer for the city. He he's watching every move that Quincy Pondexter makes. All right, Lipe. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, have a good one. All right. Follow him on Twitter at Flyer Grizzblog. That's with only one Z. We don't have time to talk about that. When we come back, we'll talk to Ernie Freeman for a moment about the SEC. You're listening to MSL on Real Sports Talk Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Real for over 20 years. We are Real Sports Talk Sports 56 and 87.7 FM.